this episode, we're continuing our conversation with students about classroom culture. To what extent is the classroom culture receptive to intersectionality? And who decides how class is going to go? This is a discussion of you, me, and us. I have a kind of a basic question, and, and it's a question that I know I think about a lot as a teacher, and I know my colleagues think a lot about, and it's when is the classroom culture established? Like when, if we all set the tone of a class together, and I think we've established that that's true to students and teachers, when would you say that happens? Is it like day one? Is it like the first five minutes of day one? Is it the week or so? Uh, uh, when would you say that happens? And Danny, could we start with you? I would say um, from my experience, I've definitely had those moments where the class is very quiet and then like half to the semester, they become really loud. Um, but I would say what I do as a student, if you are like me, I like to observe first a teacher just to because I apply the halo effect. I always do. It's like just like I want them to be on their good side always. So I can tell like the teacher's person, person how the teacher is going to be towards the semester. I had teachers who were just straightforward, like, I don't take any bullshit. If you're going to try me, we'll like, you'll, we'll go to the principal straightforward, no like back talk. Yeah. And I had ones who are just like, I'm here to be your friend and yeah. we're here to learn. So it's like, you the, can kind of tell pretty early. The this thing, the students can change the environment very quickly, but it's very hard to change the teacher's way of, um, Okay. how they want to be treated or how they want to be like respected, how they treat the students. It's very, you don't really change the teacher. You can change the students, not the teacher. There's only one teacher. I think honestly, it changes daily. It changes on everybody's mood. It changes on the topics of what's up for discussion that day. Cause I've had some definite like silly classes, but like there's days where it's like, okay, we're going to get serious or vice versa. You know, it's a very serious class. People are in a good mood or just things like that. Really, it changes daily. And for the most part, I agree with Dania where the teacher sets the mood. But I mean, based off their mood as well, like if they're feeling great or if they're not feeling too great and they're usually feeling great, um, if they're usually in a happy mood and then like something happens, that's going to affect the classroom as well. Yeah, I agree with like a mixture of what both Danny and Jocelyn said. Like, I agree that for the most part, like the teacher's established attitude um, usually stays relatively the same because they've usually been teaching for a while. And yeah, I think it takes like, I don't know, I feel like the first month is when um, the like a dynamic is established, like what the professor expects from you. And yeah, but then like, as you get further into the semester, like clicks start to form, you kind of see like who's who and like the, the dynamic of the class. Cam, you have it. You have any thoughts on that? On uh, when when the classroom culture is established? Uh, is it on that first day? Does it take a while? I kind of agree with Danny because I do kind of stand back. I don't talk to people like ever unless they talk to me, and I do like kind of step back to the class and watch like, okay, who who is who, and like what's going to be going on during this class? Like, how is the teacher? Um, what are my peers like? Um, especially in high school, I went to a fairly big public school and I, I was one of 12 kids from my old school going there. So I didn't know anybody and I didn't want to know anybody. So I kind of just stayed back and I realized like there are definitely like little groups that people have known for so long. And there's 
certain teachers who like it certain things particular ways and if you don't match up to their expectations then um you're kind of just screwed for the rest of the year but I don't know I feel like it does alter every day every week whatever depending on the teachers and who's in the class and whatnot I would say that the culture actually starts before the class even begins and it starts with the syllabus like what are we going to be learning from what's the perspective that we're learning from is it a Eurocentric perspective are we going to just talk about history from a white man's perspective and that also it goes beyond just ethnicity that goes into right like gender and sex like are we looking from a heterosexual cisgendered white perspective over and over as history has taught us that that is who gets to write history or are we going to have a are we going to have a professor and you know we're very lucky we we live in california we live in a slightly more diverse and slightly more um, liberal place but you know or do we you know which provides or lends a uh, lends us a lens of you know perhaps a feminist perhaps a you know a more culturally diverse perspective which then translates into the syllabus and helps to give rise to a culture. Um, I think that's a really good point, Jose, just because especially with like the ACE programs, like I, I'm very clearly white and I have my natural red hair. I have blue eyes, but I am practically from every continent. Like I, there's nothing more than like 20% of me or whatever, but like learning about my Hawaiian culture from Mana, like actually going into like the syllabus of my English class this semester, like knowing that I was going to read um, books and articles written by people who have the same like ethnicity and culture as me. Um, and I never really got that growing up, especially here. I live in Carlsbad of California and it's very just white people all over. So I think that was a really good point that you made, Jose. I think it's never ending. I agree with that, what everybody said, but like you walk in and I, like I said, I bombard the professor every single time I'm doing six classes this time. And as soon as I made sure I had at least half of those on Zoom because I need that interaction with the teacher. So for me, it happens the second I walk in, but then it also happens when it rains. I'm not that I want to judge you, but I'm judging you because that's what we do. This is what we do as a society. When it rains, when there's a family emergency, I'm seeing what you're doing. When you don't show up for work and I'm the student, and, and I'm in the class and you're not there. I want to know how, you know, do I, am I getting an email? Am I getting a text? But like, I, I, I that's how I'm looking at uh, the class culture with the teacher. Is this teacher going to be leading the, how the it flows? Is it going to be smooth? Are they going to take late work? Are they going to give us extra credit? These things Make me know you more. You don't give extra credit. You don't like to correct things. That means you don't like your job because that's your job. You know what I mean? There's like all kinds of different levels of what I'm going to judge the professor on when I get into their class. And also I want to know the stuff that I'm reading, like what Cam and Danny and all you guys were saying. 
I want to not read just the white dudes. It's boring, okay? Yeah, okay, sometimes Blake is cool and sometimes, you know, Poe is rad. But I want to read the American Indian writers. I want to read about the women. I want to read Sylvia Plath. I want to read stuff that's going to smack me upside my head and think about my childhood. You know, I don't want to be bored because I'm old and I pretty much read all the other white crap. I need new shit. You've got to give me something that's going to make me fucking hungry because I'm not going to sit here and be bored. And if I am bored, then I'm going to ask you uncomfortable questions until it's fun. I can't wait till you're my colleague, Nani. They're not ready. That's all I got to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nobody's ready. The colleagues, the students, the college, yeah. we're not ready. But, but we will. Saying, I'm going to run this show. <laughs> yeah, run. yeah. But what you're saying about boredom, that takes us back to culture too. Because when things are boring, it's because we're not resonating with it, right? And when things are like lighting our minds on fire, it's because there's something there that aligns with what I brought into the space as well, right? You know, I'm feeling, I want, I want to get this response to this question from everyone. I think that this is an important thing because we do have faculty who listen to this podcast. We do have students who listen to this podcast. I want to know how can instructors build trust in the classroom? And maybe a positive example, just a short positive example that you have of when that happened for you and how that was facilitated. Because we're trying to really focus in this second season of the podcast on, on things that people can use in the classroom, both students and, and instructors. So uh, I, I, if somebody's ready with that example, yeah, go ahead, Danny. Okay, so um, to, to be able to trust a teacher and like for a teacher to like trust you does like to take a lot of like vulnerability from like both of us. So this time, the actual first time that I felt like I had a connection with the teacher was when I told the rugby coach for Miracosta that I was half Mexican and half Samoan. He was the first person that I ever told in my entire life. I felt like I was never enough to be Samoan. Uh, and I was basically just getting like scouted to play rugby for Miracosta. And he was like, no, he's like, you are Samoan. Even if you didn't grow up with the culture, you are. He's like, every, you like are like valid. You are both. And that's okay. And in that moment, I felt like how Nani was like, it lights up. Like you get like that light bulb. I feel like I'm like, wow, this is like destiny. Like that moment made me believe in destiny. Like, wow, I can like trust someone with like this because it was something such a big deal for me because I used to get bullied for the way I look because I didn't match the Mexican side because yes, I had the brown skin. I could speak Spanish fluently. I was good at Spanish. I could dance, I could have the whole thing, but um, I was bigger than them. Colorism was a thing too. And for Samoan, it's like, I was too small to be Samoan. Great rugby player, but your size, come on. And you could, I couldn't speak the language either. So it's like that. And uh, that coach really helped me be like, it's okay. You're like, you have both and you are learning. Like Mana is gonna like help you. He was like, this is why you should join. And I was like, yeah, I should join. What's wrong with learning more? And then from there, just everything like blew up in such a good way that I'm like, holy shit, this is my life. So that's like such a like good positive thing for me. I'll be real quick. I had a, a lit professor and she's amazing. And um, she's covered in tattoos. She's hilarious. 
but she's firm and she grades hard and she's no nonsense. I freaking love her, but she taught all graphic novels for her lit class. And that was astounding because not only did I learn that I hate some of the graphic novel artists because they're assholes and racist and they're freaking feminine women, they hate them. Oh, I could go on and on. But I also learned that this is a genuine literature English based um, form of learning. Like, who knew that all these graphic novels I've been reading all my life, I could actually learn about punctuation, character, setting, um, all, all the different things that go into um, writing and reading good literature. And I was not bored. I did not have to say weird stuff. And, it, and, it, and the, the, the teachers really, and, and also I had a teacher, he was great. Um, he taught almost inclusively, like a ton of American Indian stuff graphic novels, poetry, um, stuff, um, the, the beginning, the end, how they felt, how they thought. And we were going through the whole Trump losing the election thing while we were in his class and the uprising that was happening and how he handled the class, I have to say, was a totally opposite of what I am used to. He's very calm. He wanted to talk about everybody's um, experiences and how they think that they can change the world going forward, not stuck in the problem of this Cheeto that's messing with our kids. The, the Zooms are intervening. Whoa. <laughs> I think this yeah, is censorship yeah. at Move a level Zoom. that I don't appreciate. Yeah. Wow. You got, you got think, cut off there, Donnie. <laughs> I think we heard I'm it, though. I'm so, so sorry. <laughs> wow. You know what I mean, though, you know, I mean, we're we're uh, the way that they deal with these big issues and there's tons of them. Look at the Capitol. Look at there. There's all these crazy things that are happening while we're in class. And the way that those professors deal with that type of um, societal drama is very, very under the microscope right now. And I think that the professors need to watch what they say uh, as far as their political agenda. And remember that not everybody is the same and especially mixed people who have both these, my mom in my ear being a Republican and up my ass and how dare you not vote for Trump. And my, um, my husband who's Mexican and he's going, what the hell red Cheeto guy, you know what I mean? So, and me in the middle going, fuck all you guys, let's just get the stimulus checks out so we can pay the electric bill, you know? I mean, I don't care about your bullshit. Please help. No, and that's um, that's a that's a that's a fine line for all these count or all these uh, professors to have to walk. And I and I I hope that I can do it as well as they have. Thank you. Thank you, Nani. Um, Natalie, <laughs> we, we, there's a clapping going on for the audience. You can't see there's clapping going on in Zoom all over. Um, and and then there was some weird like right when you were at your most passionate. That's when it started cutting out. I don't. I don't think it's like the NSA or anything, but I think it might be like Zoom saying, we can't take this passion. Like, this is too much for a Zoom. You need to be in yes. person. The emotions you can't do it this way. Bandwidth yes. and emotions, yes. Right. Natalie, you wanted to jump in, though. Go for it. And um, we're talking about examples, uh, positive examples of 
building that trust and how teachers can do that. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Nani about this, just like the like the raw realness that professors like bring to the classroom, just allow us to say like how we truly feel about like current social or political events and maybe how that um, affects like our cultural communities. And I really appreciate my Puente professors because like I remember my counselor on the first day, she showed us like um, a map called the um, Chicanx Education Retention Rates between elementary and like master's degree completion. And she made sure to tell us that like, as long as we were willing to put in the work, she would make sure that we become a successful statistic. And I felt like that was very empowering. And then my other Puente professor, she always like did check-ins and asked us about like how we can bring like our own like cultural experience, like traditions and like the details we heard from like our ancestors or um, our own mentors in our life and just bring that to the classroom and be real and just talk about all the sorts of things that affect like our culture. Thank you, Natalie. Jocelyn, do you have some examples of uh, good examples of how you've experienced teachers building trust in the classroom? Yeah, definitely. I mean, not only is it vulnerability, like it was said earlier, but I think it's also just having empathy for your students. We're all humans. We're all going through similar things in our own ways. And um, it's not just that. I think it's also challenging your students because, I mean, personally, I am more of an introvert. And most of the times I'll, I'll stay to myself. Like I'll have thoughts, but I'll keep them in my, in my head. Or at the end of the day, I'll share them with my husband, but not, I'm, just, I'm not usually just going to share it with everybody. But there's been times in particular in classes where teachers are like, no, we're going to go around the class. Everybody's going to everybody's going to speak. I want to know what everybody has to say. And I think that is really important. And that should be that should happen more often, that more teachers should um, be inclined to do that. And don't be afraid to challenge their students in ways like that. Thank you for saying that. That, that That's really important. Um, for, for me to hear, for everyone to hear. Because sometimes we do, we risk that. And you can see a student kind of, uh, you know, but on the other side of it, like you said, it, it feels challenging, but it's it's important to to make visible, right? Like these experiences and create that space. Um, Cam, do you want to share? Do you have a, a what it takes to build trust for you? When I first joined Miracosa, um, the MANA counselor, who's also the rugby coach, he like reached out to me and um, I usually put down that I am Hawaiian on everything. Like my facial features, like my body type is very much Polynesian, which is why um, being a part of mono was so important, is so important to me. Um, and like in the first session of him, like pretty much recruiting me, he, um, or I mentioned that like, yeah, I know I don't look Hawaiian. And he goes, well, that that's not important. Like you still are Hawaiian, like you are Polynesian, which really helped me out. Like what was with what Danny was saying as well. Like it made me feel welcomed, especially because I wanted to learn more about who I am. Like my, um, my whole life I've been like asked like, Oh, like, what are you? Cause like, I do obviously look white, but a lot of people think that I am mixed because of my nose or my lips or just my body type. And so like finally seeing people that look like me and like that speak like me, that made me feel way more welcome into like the Mana community. Jose, how about you? All right. 
Well, uh, this is a really good question. I actually have thought about this quite a bit over the years. And I think that uh, one of the things that really builds trust for me within a classroom, one is, is the professor willing or open to, uh, to constructive criticism, to feedback? And um, it's pretty, I, in my opinion, it's pretty ironic when they're, when they're not. Because it's like you're constantly judging, you're constantly, you know, criticizing our our work as students, but you're completely unwilling to have the same thing done to you. Mm. Um, and so when people are open to it, I'm like, that really builds trust in, for me. And when it comes to just something like simple and tangible is like cre- creating a safe space through uh, inclusive practices, whether that's like sharing preferred pronouns, whether it's having gender, using gender neutral program pronouns when it comes to, you know, their teaching or like, you know, a good example is like when you have that skeleton for an anatomy class, or I don't know how skeletons end up in so many teachers classrooms, but they all, they often do. And I'm like, why is there, you're not even teaching us anatomy. Why is that even here? Um, But they always like name it some like male, uh, nine times, nine times out of ten, I think they they name it some male like skeleton name, and I'm like, first of all, there's nothing about that skeleton that's a male. Like, there's no way that that and that like there's no it just doesn't happen. So I'm like, hey, could we maybe use like a gender neutral pro- pronoun for that? You know, can we just allow people to like consider that it's that it's that the world is not as binary as we think it is? And then you know also sharing resources that are like, or even about programs on on campus, you know, whether that's the food, the, you know, the farmer's market that we host, whether that's uh, our ACE programs, whether that's, um, you know, um, resources for undocumented students, just mentioning that and even saying like, hey, this is a safe space, wherever you're from, whatever your background is, you are welcome here. That sets the tone for me and it starts to build trust. This is, this has been such a good conversation. Um, I appreciate all of your perspectives. Uh, yeah. Fierce fucking positions, right? That we're yes. bringing here. Uh, yes. Like good stories um, um, and, and really um, insightful experiences. And, and, you know, specifically around this topic of, of disruption and, and how we all share in that. And it's, it's, it's the teacher's responsibility to disrupt in the interest of being more inclusive. And it's also the student's responsibility to disrupt in your interests, right? Uh, uh, if, if to self-advocate, right? And so it, it and, and Jose, what I kind of take away from your last point there is, is what we talked about in an earlier episode when we were talking with teachers. And it was like, how do we get to a place where we're a community of learners together, right? Um, where, where it's a dialogue, right? And it's listening and it's a negotiation of values and it's additive, right? It's not just zero sum or you come in and you leave different, right? It's less transactional, right? Less like, transactional. Yeah, that's right. And what it makes me think of too, Curry, is, you know, when we're having this rich conversation with each other here in this space that, you know, there's a lot of conversation in our circles right now about the idea of getting rid of grades, you yeah. know? There are no grades on the line in this room, you know, that, that, that we're not doing that. We're just getting together on a Friday afternoon and talking about something that we all have experience in right. and, and look how much comes out of it instead right. of being in a classroom where you're like, here's the topic, let's discuss. And it's like pulling teeth, right? 
maybe there's something to that. Maybe if there were less stakes, maybe if people felt like there was less on the line, there would be more, um, more depth and, and, and more authentic dialogue between these two different constituency groups with, uh, with faculty and students. I don't know. Well, and, and this comes up, uh, the truth is teachers are scared. Like we're, we're afraid of that dead silence. We're the, afraid of walking in and it not landing or students being bored. So we plan the shit out of our classes and we don't create space for relevance or interjections or responding to the moment, right? And so, and that's really hard. It's really hard to be a teacher and walk in and just trust that we're going to have some silent moment. We're going to get uncomfortable. Like, like Nani, what you were saying earlier, some really contentious stuff's going to come up. And that's what the class is going to be. That's who we are in this culture. Like that's, that's the culture we're building, right? That we trust each other. And we're going to listen and we're going to try together to figure out like the best way to think through this stuff. Well, as scary as it is when you have everything planned out, it's even more scary, I would argue, for people to let go of that control. Yeah. You know, uh, Nani and uh, Cam and Danny, you were in class uh, this week when I said, I'm going to shut up and teach now, you know? And, and I just turned off my camera, muted my mic. And I was like, here's the question, just go. And y'all went off for 35 minutes. That never happened in that class before that, right? Yeah. So I don't know, lots of things to rethink here, but I appreciate you all, yeah. such powerful voices. I wish you the best, not just in your ACE programs, but in everything you do. So thanks for being here. And one last note I wanna add with this college experience. If the only thing you're learning is academics and you're not learning how to work with other people, how to socialize, how to be a person and who you are in this world, then it wasn't worth it or that. There's so much more to college life than just the education and academics that you're getting. It's about learning the people around you, your environment, mm-hmm. your culture, and all of that as well. I tell everybody in my Mana class, I said, you guys remember me because I'm going to use you at some point, I'm going to network you into what I'm doing to get my PhD and then to be a professor. Expect me to call you and you to come teach in my class with me. Just know that this is happening. Yeah. And um, so, I, I mean, I know they all thought that was hilarious, but I'm totally dead serious. Good morning, Nadia. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. You better be ready. I just I just love it earlier about just like the that college is what Jocelyn said is just, it's way more about what's happening in our um, syllabus or what's happening when it comes to our grades. Like the college experience is really about, for me, I'm realizing is more about the social understanding and just learning how to work with others, being exposed to other people's perspectives. And so I'm just in appreciation and all of all the people that are on here on this podcast today, it just gave me a real new appreciation for who you all are and the difference that you're making in your own lives and in your own communities. And that to me, that that's what keeps me motivated in continuing my education. So thank you. Yeah, I appreciate everyone for advocating for inclusivity, intersectionality, and mutual respect to just being vulnerable in these spaces because that's how we empower each other. We have like so many sound bites from this I know. <laughs> I think I what Jocelyn said so at the end stuff. there. Yeah, yeah you, you gave us plenty of material, and I'm glad I didn't stop the recording with 10 minutes ago because I think we got some. Me too. Hey, Jocelyn, can we just use what you said as like, I just want to use that as our tagline for the podcast moving forward, really. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so good. 
students and faculty engage topics. Dangerous discussions need a safe space. This episode is supported by the Miracosa Foundation's Innovation Grant. The Safe Topics podcast is produced and engineered by Kelly Barnett. James Garcia handles promotion, student recruitment, and research. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and safetopics.podbean.com. Find us on Apple and Spotify. Please rate and subscribe. Thanks for listening. You guys are all getting your stuff right now. You're learning what political party, what you like, what you know. You're you're finding out all these new things that you didn't know were happening in the world around you, which makes this big machine run. Whereas someone who's older like me and maybe Ian, we're coming in and everything's changing. Everything that we thought was wrong. We are getting the veil or the mask tore off of us and and the reality of what is really happening is what's coming up and I have so much more that I could talk about especially with women's stuff my my daughters come at me and we're like mom why did you put up with this I'm like you know what I don't know why why did I put up with this god damn it it was horrible (laughs) and what the fuck is wrong with me and why didn't I see this and why is my generation like this and and um so you come into these classes and like I said older students my opinion has completely changed to what I used to believe. I no longer believe those stupid things that I used to believe. And I am constantly embarrassing myself with the shit that I say because it's either nationalists or I'm saying something racist that I didn't know. I mean, I used to watch Archie Bunker for God's sake and I thought it was fine. You know what I mean? And now I look at it now and I'm like, oh my God, this was awful. And in all kinds of different stuff that that it comes up. And it's so nice to be able to change your mind.